morning, we'll go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter 9. And uh, again, thank you so much, Pastor, for this opportunity to uh, be able to preach this morning. And I do want to mind the Lord and uh, preach what He's laid on our heart this morning. Good to see some faces again. And uh, appreciate y'all so much for your prayers for us on the road. And uh, God has been so good to us. And uh, so it's always refreshing to be able to come back and be here in this place. And uh, so we're thankful for what he's done and uh, what he's going to continue to do. And uh, I'm going to preach out of Romans chapter number 9. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says in verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Lord, thank you so much for this day, for your blessings upon us. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to mount behind the sacred desk. Lord, I pray that you'd hide us behind the cross. Lord, that you would be seen in us and through us. And God, I pray that you would speak, uh, Lord, to these people and speak to their hearts. Lord, help us to have listening ears. And Lord, help me to say, Lord, only the things that you'd have me to say this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for this meeting. Thank you for the church. And Lord, I pray that you bless the meeting. And Lord, have your perfect will and way in the preacher as he comes here in a little bit to preach the message, Brother Cottle. And uh, Lord, just for everything that's done, we'll be sure to love you and praise your name. And thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to preach this morning on this subject, on the burden of Paul. And uh, I think uh, Paul's burden is a good burden to pattern our lives after. Uh, and uh, so I see for eight chapters throughout the entire book of Romans, Paul has been writing about man's ruin and also his redemption. Beginning in chapter number nine, he breaks uh, from the doctrine uh, to the desire. Here Paul writes with a very heavy heart. As we can see in these three verses, Paul in context, speaking primarily to his brethren, the Jews. He knew that God had replaced the lambs of Aaron's altar with the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And he also knew that Christ had died so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Paul himself had been raised with the strictest of sects of the uh, Pharisees and he believed in uh, Old Testament so firmly that he murdered those who had transgressed the precepts of the law. But through God, he called Paul to be a minister to the Gentiles. Paul had, to, had a continual desire to work with his people. And though Paul is speaking primarily to his brethren, the Jews, I think there are some things that we can learn from Paul's burden for uh, lost souls in our realm, uh, not just in our neighborhoods, but in America as a whole, uh, in the world as we see uh, constantly crumbling around us. It seems like things have been uh, swiftly uh, fading, if you will, uh, into decay. But I think that it would be important for us to understand that the reason why we are in the position we are in so oftentimes, I believe, is because our burden is not where it needs to be. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you this morning with the help of the Lord uh, to increase your burden for lost souls. Uh, I think that's the heart of missions without a burden for souls. Uh, a heart of missions cannot be there. And so I think that would be a good place for us to get started this morning. And I want you to notice, first of all, a real burden, a real burden. Verse number one, Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. And uh, so I see the source of this real burden is seen in Christ. Where does this real burden for salvation of souls begin? And I think that a true experience 
experience with Christ would be a good start. And uh, I see that he says he speaks the truth, not just any truth, but the truth in Christ, and was telling the truth as one in Christ. The truth is very simple. If you've ever been saved, you will have a burden for souls. Uh, If we have no desire to share God uh, and what he has done for us, we need to check up and see if we're saved. I would challenge the reality of anyone's salvation experience on their burden for souls. And uh, so I see that that experience of Christ is here, but I see not only that, but the true exercise of conscience is seen here, where he says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Paul not only speaking according to pattern of thought, but also speaking with the witness of his conscience. What a difference it would make if we were constantly conscious of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Uh, But I see that uh, he he spoke according to the pattern, uh, but also to his conscience. I think if we're saved, the Holy Ghost will see to it. The desires of God will also be the desires of our hearts as well. That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. You say, well, what is the will of God this morning? It is that all souls be saved. That everyone have the the experience to be able to hear the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I think it would be good uh, that we would follow uh, not just Paul's example, but I see uh, some, some individual had asked Spurgeon, uh, that do they, do they believe that uh, if a person had never heard of salvation or the gospel message, if that person could be saved? To which Spurgeon replied and said, do you think that anyone who's truly been saved would never want to speak the name of Christ to those that are lost? And uh, I think that's a better question, not so much the question if we've never been given the experience or the, the uh, opportunity be, to be saved. But my question to you this morning is, is if you have been saved, what are you doing to share that message with those that you come into contact with on a daily basis. I think uh, if we're saved, God, would, uh, God will exercise our conscience about sin, uh, but not only sin, but the need for souls to be saved. I think a true examination of our concern is also a thing uh, that we need to consider this morning. Uh, he says, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. And so I see the source of this real burden is in, a, in the knowledge and the experience of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in our hearts and our lives. But I think the supply of this real burden is where does the desire to win souls come from? The real compulsion is seen in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. For the necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And Paul couldn't keep quiet about what God had done in his heart and in his life. Jeremiah 20 and verse number 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a fire shut up in my bones. And he says, I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He was laboring to contain himself, but he could not contain what has been worked in him. In other words, what God has worked in you, you will not be able to contain, but you'll be able to work out what God has worked in. Acts 40 and ver- 4 and verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's that double negative, for we are not able to not speak. It's not that uh, you have nothing to say, it's that you have, uh, you, you have absolutely nothing but to talk about Christ. What he has worked in, what he has done in your heart and your life, you will be compelled to tell others about him. But oftentimes I think our flesh is a great uh, hindrance for that. 
we think that someone's going to think bad of us or they're going to say something negative towards us if we share the gospel message. But I challenge you, if you've been saved, to witness to people and see what the Spirit of God will do for you. You will find that when you witness to people and you give them the gospel, that that inner spirit that's been worked in you will begin to work its way out and you will find yourself uh, compelled to tell them more. And uh, I, I find so often when we go uh, places and we share the gospel message, there's that restraint, there's that withholding where you don't feel like you can say anything about Christ. But when you begin to do that, the Spirit of God, it's like He moves in and takes over, so to speak, and He begins to speak on your behalf. And uh, so you find yourself, the flesh is really not as powerful as what we give it credit for so often when we have the Spirit of God working in us. But the supply of the real burden uh, also reveals the real compassion that He has here in Acts 20, verse 31, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Psalm 142 and verse 4 said, No man cared for my soul. Now I wonder how many people we find ourselves coming into contact with day after day that would have that same kind of mentality. No man cared for my soul. And I say, God help us if that's the case on our job site Uh, on our daily commutes, wherever we may be day after day, uh, that people would not find themselves in this position that no man cared for my soul. When you find yourself in a place where it seems that you cannot witness or you cannot win souls to Christ, try tears. Try tears. Paul said... Uh, we cannot speak the things, he's, or he says in a space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day, but not just to warn them, but to warn them with tears. God, give us our tears. Now, I not only see the, uh, the real burden that he res- displays here, but I see, second of all, a regular burden seen in verse number two. He says, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. That continual Burden that grew heavier until his heart broke. I'm afraid that our burden is seasonal, but it's not continual. In other words, we become burdened during revival meetings and camp meetings and missions meetings or when we experience tragedy in life, but then it changes and gets lighter as time progresses. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've had a heavier burden than what you have now? That... that That regular burden speaks of a continual burden. That continual heaviness in verse number 2, I have great heaviness suggesting that the weight of concern grew heavier every day. So often our experiences is just the opposite. Oftentimes many of which would weep and would pray for souls, but so often simply careless and lighthearted. Continual heartbreak, continual heaviness, continual sorrow with tears. The words, and in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 10, implying that it was painful for Paul to see his people blinded by religion and bound by tradition. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Christ-like heartbreak is also seen. In Hebrews 5 and verse number 7, Jesus wept over the corpse 
where the Bible says in John chapter 11 and verse number 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept over the crowd in Mark 6 and verse 34, was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus wept over the city in Matthew 23 and verse number 37. He said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, he spoke. And uh, General William Booth, I think, said it well, uh, where he uh, he replied to a young preacher who was getting no results to simply try tears. If we spoke as Christians, we would speak the mind of Christ. That continual burden. There's a consistent burden seen here. That consistent prayer life. In Romans 10 verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God of Israel is that they might be saved. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. Night and day praying exceedingly. Consistent witness is seen in this passage. Acts 26 verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing to the small and to the great. The illustration of D.L. Moody and his burden for souls was seen in his prayer life. And as he prayed that God would give him a soul per day, D.L. Moody laying his head on his pillow one night, rainy and dark and stormy. When the Spirit of God bare witness in his heart that he had not, witness to one soul that day. So D.L. Moody climbs out of his bed. He puts his clothes on and goes out into the wet streets of the city looking for a soul to witness to. Finds one running down the street trying to get out of the rain. He pulls him into shelter and by the glorious grace of God he was able to stop that man and he got gloriously born again. I wonder how many of us lay our head on our pillow at night with that kind of burden. Consistent witness, that consistent conscience as seen in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Paul believed that men were lost, they were going to hell. It weighed heavy on his mind and on his heart. Mark 9 and verse 45, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter halt into life, having two feet than to be cast into hell into the lake of fire that never shall be quenched. That's the reality. It almost sounds, uh, it almost sounds somewhat psycho. But that's the reality. That it would be better to enter into heaven having one foot. If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. Than to enter into hell with both. If there is no hell, no eternal judgment, there are, uh, we are all just a bunch of fools. There is a hell. Where literal men go. Where women and men are tormented forever. This is a, this is a reality that we should be faced with on a daily basis. But Paul reveals a real burden. He reveals a regular burden. But lastly, I want you to notice this. He he mentions a redemptive burden. In verse number 3, he said, For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. The word accursed is anathema. Paul simply saying that he was willing to be severed and separated from Christ and to spend eternity in hell if that's what it took to get his people saved. He adopted the shame of winning the lost. To those Jews who were blind, they were boastful, they were bitter. Some of them had beaten Paul. They had stoned him, nearly killed him for his belief. In the Lord Jesus Christ. The one thing that he had once done, he finds himself receiving the same condemnation from his brethren. But because he understood their condemnation, 
it gave him the same burden that Christ had. Paul identified with them. My brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, Paul was simply saying, I used to be like that, but God saved me. He adopted the shame of winning the loss. He accepted the sacrifice of winning the loss. He said, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. Paul was prepared to go to hell if it meant his brethren in the flesh could be saved. But don't be critical of Paul. Paul was so in love with lost people that he loses all sense of reason and logic. And his heart breaks out of his words, I would be willing to go to hell to reach my brethren. The Jews had a remarkable training in their scriptures. Almost immediately, they would have been forced to hear out of the words of Moses. Another man in history who had asked God to destroy him to save his own people. Paul and Moses were the only two people that we have an account in the Bible who was honestly prepared to ask God to send them to hell if only others could be saved. The thing that Moses and Paul had prayed could not be theirs. Neither of them could be the savior of men because they were just simply men themselves. Both Paul and Moses understood the exceeding evilness of sin. Both knew that nothing could atone sin except the removal of sin by placing a substitution for sin. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 10, I think, I think is a good sum up. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read this. Verse number 10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law under the curse... For it is written, Curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. But verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Never forget who you are or who you have been and what you may be by the grace of God. Calvary shows us that there was a cost, that there was a price, there was an expense, and he had to bleed to bless. Now I wonder what kind of a, a burden a man would have that he would rise to the level of Christianity unlike any man has ever seen before. An extent of Christ-likeness that he was able to be so much like Christ, he was willing to be made a substitute for his own brethren. That's the level of Christianity I myself and I dare say anyone else in this building has not reached. Where you're able to grant such a burden for souls that if it was possible, and we all know we're not, because we're all men, just like anyone else, even the high priest, when he would go in and he would offer the sacrifice for the sins of those, of those people on that day of atonement, and would go into that holy of holies and would sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat, that he himself had to offer up blood for his own sins. 
and that no man would have the ability to reap or, or to be able to redeem what had been lost in the Garden of Eden except the sinless man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would not even break his own law by stealing what was rightfully given away, but would offer himself as a sacrifice what that man was responsible for losing, man would be responsible for reclaiming. So he didn't steal back anything, he bought it back. And he did what no man could do. But for us to have the same kind of burden, the same kind of mentality that Paul had, that he was saying that I myself, if I could be made a curse and could be placed in the same position as the Lord Jesus Christ, I would do that just to see my brethren saved. But I can't. God give us a burden like that. God give us a burden where we were able to lay aside self-interest, our self-desires, our toys, all the things that we ever wanted, the things that we would ever desire just to simply see a soul saved. That redemptive burden that Paul had where he said, if I could simply be made accursed, then if that's what it takes to see you saved, I'd do it. I think Paul understood the grip. I think Paul understood the reality of what these brethren that he was speaking of was in. I think so oftentimes we find ourselves uh, being saved and that's all great and that's all wonderful. And we go through the honeymoon stage of salvation where we're rejoicing in the newness of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we immediately want to see our brethren saved. There was a pastor uh, who was preaching a, a, a missions conference that we were just in. And he was talking about how after God had drastically transformed and changed his life, that the very first thing that he could utter out of his mouth after he had been saved was simply this. I'll pray that my wife could be saved as well. And that's what real salvation does. It immediately grants in our hearts a desire to see more souls saved. That burden becomes a reality because we had once been enlightened by conviction and been able to see our sinful condition, our sinful state, and understand and realize that it was only by the good grace of God that we were able to come to a place of repentance out of our sinful state. And we also can look at our lost brethren and we don't look down on them. We simply say, if I could be made a curse to simply see you saved, but I can't because I'm sinful man, just simply saved by the good grace of God. But I know a man in heaven that is seated at the right hand of the Father. I can't, but he did. Thank God he paid the price that no man could pay. He paid the debt that I could not pay. And because I cannot, thank God he did. And we have something to offer them. We tell them, that if I could, I would, but I can't, but Jesus can. Jesus can save. I wonder this morning, what is it costing us? He anticipated the, sac the satisfaction of winning souls. I think was the entire motive, the whole drive behind Paul's uh, ability to be able to withstand the beatings, the mockings, the brutality, everything that he faced. Number one, understanding and realizing that there was one who had already went before him who had paid it all, right. and all to him he owed. Yeah. But I think the anticipation 
and that travail in his heart, that great heaviness and continual sorrow in his heart was that travail for the birth of new babes in Christ. Where us as Christians should have the desire to see more souls saved and birthed into the family of God as a result of our lives, as a result of our new birth that we would have the same desires and the same heaviness of heart and have that same travail in our souls to see souls come to know the Lord as we once did. Paul was not selfish, a selfish consumer. He was a selfless contributor. Paul intends that every Christian shall reproduce himself in other Christians. I guess my question to you this morning is, is how many souls have we reproduced that continual heaviness of heart that burden and my goodness I'd be as quick to say as anyone is that we get so caught up in the grind in the busyness of this life that we forget our real reason our real purpose for being saved in the first place it's to simply go and tell someone else the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the case, he, would, he wouldn't put us through what we go through. He'd just call us straight up to be with him in heaven after we're saved. But we got a job. We got a commission. We got, a, we got something we got to do. And to have that same burden, that same passion that Jesus had when he lifted up his eyes and the Bible says he looks into the field and he said that his heart was heavy. He said he was looking out into the field. They are white. They are ready for harvest. And the Bible says that, uh, he says, pray ye therefore. The only prayer request that Jesus ever had, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. My goodness, that ought to be our same prayer as well. We would find ourselves, I think, if we were praying the same prayer that Jesus prayed, they sent forth labors into his harvest, we would find ourselves going into the harvest. You can't pray for laborers going into the harvest without going into the harvest yourself. And I think so oftentimes we, we restrain ourselves and we restrict ourselves from actually praying that prayer because sometimes I think we just don't have the burden to go. But a lot of times, the greatest answer to pray, ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, they send forth labors into his harvest, the greatest answer to that prayer is you. God, give us a burden. I lie not. I speak the truth in Christ. My heart is heavy. It's burden for lost souls that my brethren be saved. If I could make myself accursed from, from Christ in order to see my brethren saved, I would do that. I can't pay that price but I know a man who did. And because of that, we got a story to tell that there's a God in heaven who saves. And so my challenge to you this morning is, if you don't have a burden, get one and start today by the good grace of God. Amen.